Welcome again, everybody, and everyone watching online, and all those at Montrose, thanks for joining us as well, and it's good to be together this weekend. We've been in this conversation the last uh, few weeks called Disrupt the Default, and the, the basis of this conversation is this idea that we all have a default, right? So there's things that we've picked up in life from our family, from our experiences, from our culture, from our own opinions, and they have become kind of default truths in our life. They're almost the things that we almost instinctually return to when we're trying to navigate through life. And so we'll lean on them to make decisions, uh, we'll lean on them to navigate through problems, we'll draw conclusions that are based in those defaults, and, and we're all wired that way. I'm that way, you're that way, all of us are wired that way. They become the norms in our life, and we've said that the thing with Jesus is, is that he is by nature a disruptor. And so Jesus is gonna bring truth into our lives, and it's a truth that we're not gonna hear or experience anywhere else in our life. Uh, most of us wouldn't have learned it from home. You're not gonna find it like in media or social media. It's not gonna pick up in your education. It's only gonna be when you run into Jesus and start to seek to understand his heart and his mind that this truth is gonna come. And when this truth comes in front of you, it's going to disrupt your norms. It's going to change the things that you thought were like common and it's gonna change those instincts and those positions. So a Christ follower is someone who allows that to happen. When the truth of Jesus comes into our life, instead of pushing it away, trusting ourselves, we actually embrace that truth. We seek to make it our truth, and the truth, the heart, the mind of Jesus becomes what then defines and directs our lives. So we talked about this for the last few weeks. Podcast, website, it's on the app. Maybe worth a listen to kind of catch up with this stuff because we've been kind of talking it through in a linear order. We've been drawing these conversations uh, out of the book of Matthew, mostly chapter five, in a setting that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus uh, is teaching and kind of gathers a crowd. That sermon is recorded. It's his most exhaustive sermon that he gives about who God is and how we respond to him. And we just can kind of follow in that trying to understand what he's trying to teach us and how to get our head around it. So I wanna to continue to do that this weekend and encourage you, if you have a Bible, uh, grab it and go to Matthew chapter five or bring it up on your app if you want. By the way, uh, if you don't have a newer physical copy of the Bible and you want one, uh, just stop by the, uh, the welcome desk after services and we'll, we'll get it for you, we'll give it to you. We want you to have it. Um, but if you have one right now, Matthew chapter five is, is where we're gonna look at. So this is kind of the path that I'm gonna take with us this weekend. Uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at four common defaults, pretty universal that hum human beings would go to these places. We're gonna look at four mind-blowing disruptions. Jesus is gonna like really lean into us this weekend. And then I'm gonna show you one point of preparation and then one, one pastoral worry, the stuff that keeps me up at night. So we're gonna look at these things. As we, as we go through this, it's gonna be fascinating as we read through this scripture and start to see these truths, what's gonna happen. Because this conversation that Jesus is having, he's gonna keep saying God blesses 
or another way to say that is blessed are those, or another way to say that is happy are those. So he's gonna be talking about like happiness, and then you're gonna see as we go through it, but he's, he's gonna say happy, and then he's gonna talk about these super heavy things, like these difficult things that you're gonna face if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but you find your happiness in it. So it's almost weird to kind of think through the path that, that he's gonna take us. So this weekend, if you're not yet a Christ follower, what Jesus is doing is he's defining what following him really means. He's kind of bringing like a lot of reality into that. You'll see that here in a minute. If you are a Christ follower, what he's doing is he's bringing that same reality into your life and then he's gonna look at you and say, not only is that the reality, but that's normal and it's a source of joy. And so as we work through this, you'll see as we dig at it, it's kind of interesting how he goes at it. So let's read it and then we'll dig at it, okay? Matthew chapter five, verse nine and 10. This is what Jesus says, his words. God blesses those who work for peace. The older translations say that are peacemakers. God blesses those who are peacemakers or work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So see what I'm talking about? He's talking about persecution, lying, mocking, all this kind of stuff. But he's like, be happy, be glad, be super glad, be very glad, because this is a part, an important part of understanding what it means to follow Jesus. So let's, let's dig at this a little bit, see if we can get our head around what he's talking about. So he starts off there, verse nine. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. So those who work for peace, the older translations say peacemakers. God blesses those, or blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So that's Jesus' statement. Let's think about our default for a minute. So the first default that we would tend to go to is gonna center around this concept of what it means to have peace. Now, generally, when we think about peace, we think about it this way, that peace is the absence of conflict with each other or within ourselves. That peace is the absence of conflict with each other or within ourselves. So if we read that incorrectly or without full understanding, what we would think is, God blesses those who helps everybody to chill. <laughs> like settle down, like can't we all get along, right? We would look at that and say, that, that must be what Jesus wants me to do. Or we would add to that this idea that God blesses those who have a inner peace, that I'm not in conflict with anything in my life. And, and so I feel good about myself. The, the way we would tend to say it today is I found my truth and I'm living my truth. And so I figured out how to get God to line up with what I believe and what I want. And I figured out how to get God to support what, what I believe and what I want. And it removed that spiritual tension or that tension within me. So our general default 
is to say, I gotta just get everybody to chill, like peace with each other. God must bless me if I make peace with each other or God must bless me if I have peace within myself. Here's the disruptive truth. This is super important to understand what Jesus is saying. When Jesus is talking about peace, he's not necessarily talking about peace with other people and he's not talking about peace within yourself. When Jesus is talking about peace, he's talking about peace with God. So he's saying blessed are those who are peacemakers, who help other people find peace with God. Blessed are those who work for peace, who help other people find peace with God. Now this is a big deal. Because oftentimes when we think about inner peace, when we think about inner peace, what we think is this, that I've added Jesus into my life and I've brought him around me and it's caused me to calm down inside. And therefore I must be at peace with God. Or I'm thinking about peace with other people. I navigated my truth and you navigated your truth and we came to a compromise. We coexist with each other. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. Therefore, we have peace. I'm not not being that judgmental, offensive person. Jesus is not talking about that. Jesus is saying that we are blessed when we are peacemakers, when we have peace with God, and we help other people have peace with God. But his idea of peace is not a calmness or a relaxedness. It's actually the ceasing of war, right? So think about this. Let me show you this in in Romans. This is how the writer says it. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So people who aren't followers of Jesus think completely differently than those who are. For those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Ready? Here it is. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind or the unchristlike mind is enmity, which means warring against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, not indeed can be. So the writer comes and he's like, you gotta understand how God thinks of peace. He doesn't think of calm. He doesn't think of like, hamana, 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 go to, your, go to your safe place. He's saying what you have to understand is that left to your own humanity, you are at war with God. You are an enemy of God and you hate God. The normal natural human being who lives in sin, which all of us do, all sin, all fall short of God's glorious standard, is not just not existing without God or kind of existing on the fringes of God. We're actually warring with God within our heart. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the peacemakers or those who work for peace. Jesus is saying that as a Christ follower, when I come to you because I love you, and I come to you in gentleness and respect and help you to understand that your passivity or your, your 
lack of information about God is actually spiritually a war or a rebellion with God, that I'm blessed because I'm doing the work that Jesus did. Jesus is a peacemaker. He helped to make peace between us and God. Now this is important because when you think about being a peacemaker, I wrote it down this way, a peacemaker is a gospel speaker. So a peacemaker is somebody who's coming to someone else and saying, listen, I wanna tell you the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus and his love for you is incredible. He loves you. He came to give his life for you. He laid his life down. He is rich in mercy. He is full of grace. He is abounding in love and you're at war with him. And your sin nature and your sinful activities are not just you being you, it's actually you living in full enmity or rebellion against God. Now that's a big conversation, right? That's a big conversation. And it's important to understand that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying blessed are those who do that, who come to peace with God with themselves, they lay down their arms between them and God, they surrender to God, and then they make that peace or they work for that peace, they help other people understand that that's actually the spiritual condition of their heart, okay? Now that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. The second thing Jesus says, as we were kind of reading through this, is, is this. He says this, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is there. Now set it in place. Blessed are the peacemakers, and the peacemakers are people who bring the truth of Jesus. Peacemaker's a gospel speaker. God loves you, he's full of grace, he's rich in mercy, and you're at war with him. And you need to surrender and lay down your arms to be at peace with him. Then he says, and God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what's right, for the kingdom of God is there. So this is our default. We would tend to think this way. Here's the, here's the next default. Our default would be this. If I love and accept people, they will accept me. So our default is this. If you're a Christ follower, you're looking to say, I found, I found God, I found Jesus, I found the forgiveness of my sin. He broke the chains, he broke my addictions, he broke our family cycles, he, he renewed me, he saved me, I'm a completely different person. I want you to know about that. And I want to give you the good news. I want to give you the story of what God did with me. He, God loves you. He's rich in mercy. He's full of grace. And I realized I was a sinner and I had to repent and I had to walk away from my own life and I had to lay my life down and surrender it to God. And Jesus is saying, when that happens, our assumption is going to be, I loved you enough to tell you that. So you're, you're going to be excited about it, right? I mean, that's going to be awesome. And he comes in with this disruptive truth, and what he says is this. This is the disruptive truth. Peace with God will result in persecution from people. That news is not always going to be received as good news. It's going to be received often as offensive news, self-righteous news, arrogant news. So as you go about the work of seeking to be one who makes peace, it's not gonna always work out awesome for you. 
Because peace with God is gonna result in persecution from people. Jesus actually said to his followers, he said, guys, you gotta know that people will hate you because of me. Like when you affiliate with me and align with me, just by virtue of the fact that you're aligned with me, you're going to be hated. That's a really big deal. And you need to know that that's kind of normal. When you go about this work of being a peacemaker, it's not everybody's gonna love you. A lot of people are gonna hate you because they're gonna receive that truth and they're gonna receive it as an offense. The Apostle Peter talks about this later on in the Bible. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange is happening to you. There's nothing weird about that in God's mind. He's like, that happened to me. Of course, that would happen to my followers, especially as they go about the process of intentionally seeking to be a peacemaker, to help other people find peace with me. I wrote it this way in your notes. I said, the deeper your faith, the deeper the divide. The deeper the faith, the deeper your divide. What happens is this, it's inevitable that the more you begin to act like, think like, love like, and be motivated like Jesus, the less you're going to act like, think like, and be motivated like the world around you. Jesus is gonna move us in a direction that causes an inevitable divide from the world around us. And not only am I gonna divide from the world around me, not because I went Amish, I'm gonna divide from the world around me because I don't think like they think. I don't value what they value. I don't love what they love. I don't act the way that the world acts anymore. As that divide happens, Jesus says, you're going to be persecuted for doing what is right. That's gonna show up in your life. Now, he also would look in the scriptures and he says, if you lie and you steal and you, you, something like that happens and you're persecuted, that's on you. I, the way that I translate that from the Greek is, if you a jerk, that's your problem. But when you do what's right, because you love and you follow me, just know that it's normal that you will be persecuted for that. Now think about this, it's logical if you think about it. When I'm a Christ follower, I have a completely different definition of love. So bring that into my family. My, me and my family member, we were hurt by a third family member, both hurt by the same person. As a Christ follower, I'm looking and saying, what motivates me is I want to forgive them as I have been forgiven. And I am Christ followers gonna say what motivates me is I want revenge in a pound of flesh. I want to love them in the manner that I have been loved. I want to make them pay for what they did and I want them out of my life. I wanna show mercy on them the way that Christ's mercy has changed me. I want my version of justice and I'm not gonna trust your God with it. The deeper your faith, the deeper the divide. And it's not because you're a jerk. It's not because they're a jerk. It's because you don't think alike. You're not motivated the same. Your actions are different. 
Your logic is different because you have made peace with God and they have not yet. And it's inevitable that that fracture is going to be exposed. And it's inevitable that the more you pursue and the more deeply you are defined and directed by Jesus, your friends may not be, your family may not be, and the voice is gonna be, see, well, you're a Jesus freak, you're weird, you joined a cult, you, you're self-righteous, you. Because we can no longer agree, see, because of who's directing and defining me and who's directing and defining them. So bless, you're happy, because, oh man, to, to tell people about Jesus, especially if somebody responds, it's just life-changing, it's amazing. You're happy, you're blessed, but you're gonna be persecuted. And if you're persecuted for what's doing right, for doing what's right, then it's an evidence that you're doing what's right, be happy about it. You persecuted for being a jerk, that's on you. But if you're trying to love and serve and follow Jesus and love your neighbor as yourself, that's not gonna necessarily be reciprocated. See? And persecution is gonna be a natural and normal part of your Christian life, right? Now here's the third thing Jesus says. Jesus says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. So he's like, blessed are peacemakers. Peace is actually with God. We're gonna look and say, well, when I tell you the good news, I'm kind of telling you the bad news, the whole story of the gospel, that can be offensive. That's gonna bring about persecution because I'm trying to follow Jesus and that's not valuable to you. And Jesus says, yeah, and what's that persecution is gonna look like? It's gonna look, look a lot like people mocking you and lying about you and saying all sorts of evil things, literally making stuff up about you. And they're gonna do that because you are my followers. Now, what Jesus does here is fascinating. Jesus is gonna lean in and he's gonna blow up, kaboom, many, many of the modern, what I would consider false teachings about Christianity. Teachings, false teachings that center around the idea that God will bless me, he will make me wealthy, he will make me healthy, and he will prosper me. And that is the foundation of my faith with God. So Jesus comes and he's like, actually, people are gonna mock you, persecute you, lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things against you. And that cuts into us because our default is this. My default tends to be that my faith makes me a better me. And many people, Many people look and say, my motivation for following Jesus is that I want to be the best version of me that I can be. And in order to be the best version of me that I can be, I will add Jesus or spirituality into my life. I'll take the parts of him that I believe improve me or bless me and keep them, and I'll take the parts of him that I don't like or don't appreciate and void those out of my life because what Jesus is doing is he's helping me realize my best life now, he's helping me to find my own truth, he's going to prosper me and bless me and that's all I really want or get from Jesus and that's my relationship with him. Jesus comes in and he's like, actually, what's going to happen as you follow me, the deeper your faith, the deeper the divide, you're going to be lied about, mocked, and they're gonna make stuff up about you because you are my followers. And so instead of my faith makes me a better me, the, the disruptive truth is this, 
is that true faith empties me of me. That to truly follow Jesus, I'm not asking Jesus to make me a better version of me. I'm asking Jesus to help me empty myself of myself. That I want to think like he thinks. That the truth that governs my life is not the truth that I discovered for myself, it's the truth that he gave to me. I want to be motivated as he is motivated. I want to value what he values. He's not improving me. I'm actually surrendering this war that I have with God. The Bible uses this metaphor of dying to myself. I'm emptying myself of myself and filling my heart and life desires and motives with the person of Jesus Christ. The way that uh, John the Baptist says it is this, in John chapter three, verse 30, he looks at Jesus, he says, he must become greater and greater, I must become less and less. The more that I follow Jesus, the less of me that you see. The more that I follow Jesus, the less of me that that I hold on to myself. I want that to be who I am and what I am known for. Now listen, the peacemaker, you and God, you're not cool. Like you've gotta surrender your life to him to be cool with God. That's gonna lead to persecution because when I surrender myself to God, I'm living in a completely different way than the world around me. The result of that is gonna be that people are, they're not gonna be passive about that. They're gonna lie, they're gonna mock, they're gonna say all kinds of evil things about me and we would look and say, I, that, but I thought it was about me being a better version of me. And now suddenly me following Jesus, I'm not getting along with people. There must be something wrong with me. And Jesus would say, actually, you're blessed. There's actually something right with you. He says something really fascinating in the, in the book of Luke. And these are his words, but if you have a wrong perception of Jesus, they don't sound like his words. It's almost a little shocking that he's about ready to say what he says. But this is what he says in Luke chapter 12. He says, do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth? Do you think I've come so that like we all get along and sing songs together and hold hands and nobody ever disagrees anymore? So he says, do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I've come to divide people against each other. From, From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two and against or two in favor of me and three against. Father will divide against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He looks and says, guys, people are gonna hate you because of me, because they hate me. And I am not a unifier, I'm a divider. I thought Jesus loves us, he does. Why is he a divider? Because of who he is. When Jesus looks at other people or you or me and says, hey, by the way, I am the way. There's not another way. We we can't coexist. I am the truth. There's not another truth. Your truth isn't truth. Only I am truth. I am the life. There, There isn't another path to eternity. All roads don't lead to heaven. No one can come to the Father except through me. There is no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved. There's one source of that. Those statements 
which are reflections of the truth of who Jesus is, set everybody on edge. He's like, yeah, that's not cool. Because if your dad thinks something different than you, and you have surrendered your life to me and are defined and directed by me, it's gonna be like an awkward Thanksgiving. If your friend is not there, they're gonna look at you and say, you're judgmental, you're harsh, you're cruel. There's no way to avoid that because of the exclusivity of my claims of who I actually am. I didn't come to like help everybody get along. I came to bring truth to falsehood, light to darkness, and I am by nature disruptive. And so Jesus is saying on Sermon on the Mount, he's like, yeah, that's the way it rolls. If you're a peacemaker, you are gonna be so blessed and you're gonna be persecuted. And that persecution is gonna look like lying, mocking, all kinds of evil things. So be glad because you're actually pursuing my heart. The same thing that happened to me is happening to you. The last thing he says is this. He says, be happy about it. All this persecution, this lying, this mocking, be happy about it. Be very glad. There's nothing more fun in life than being lied about and mocked about and So be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Part of what Jesus is saying is, guys, if you have a misunderstanding of who I am and what it means to follow me, you're going to lose your joy because you've done bad math. And this statement, again, cuts very deeply against our default. Our default tends to be this. This is the way that we think. The presence of pain is the absence of blessing. And that comes from a false teaching that all Jesus wants to do is prosper you, make you better, and help you be the best version of you. And when we do that math, we look and say, when my life is going my way, when everything is playing out, when I get the promotion, when I get the house, when I get the boat, when I get the girl, when I get the guy, when everything is going the way that I want it to be, it is an evidence of God's blessing in my life. And while that is true, it is grossly incomplete. Because we'll stop there, all good things come from above, so it's true that it's an evidence of God's blessing, but we'll stop there. And we'll say, unless blessings are happening as I define blessings. The minute that I feel pain, the minute that I suffer loss, the minute that God creates conflict within me, he faces me with my sin, he confronts me with my falsehood. The minute that that goes on in my heart, that must mean that God has removed his blessings from me. Because we've been taught, it's very much out there in the Christian realm right now, and in the spiritual realm right now, that God's evidence of his presence in your life is he blesses you, and by blessing we mean that my life goes the way that I want it to go. And Jesus comes in and he's like, that's not the way that works at all. Be glad, be super glad when you face persecution and trials Because what's happening to you is what has happened to every genuine follower of me through all of time. It happened to the ancient prophets of old. 
In fact, it's fascinating in the book of, uh, of Hebrews, the writer is writing about some of the, the ancient heroes, we would call them heroes of the Bible. Some of you may know these names, but these are like some Bible heroes. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. The writer goes through and lists all these people, and then this is what he says about them. This is how God blessed them, ready? They were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, their backs were cut open with whips, others were chained in prison, some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. You should be happy. You should be super glad that you're like these guys. And what the writer is saying is this. He's saying all these people were persecuted. They were mocked. They were lied about. They all suffered because they were genuine followers of God, or we would say Jesus. It was normal and natural that that happened in their life, but what they had that we don't always have is they had a view of what the Bible calls a far off country. They looked and said, there is a great reward into the future that outweighs the pain of the present. Therefore, we don't believe that the presence of pain is the absence of blessing. We believe that the presence of pain is achieving for us a reward of blessing in heaven. And we understand that these light and momentary struggles are laying up for us what the Bible calls crowns of glory or great, great reward. See, it's a really important thing. The way that we tend to think in our default is this. If we don't see an instantaneous return on a promise from God, we believe that God lied to us. And that's not even logical if you think about it for a minute. If you're a parent, if you have kids, uh, Heidi and I have, uh, we raised six kids and we have our daughter-in-law, so we have seven kids, right? As a parent, you do this as a friend, you do this all the time. I have made promises to my children that they did not see fulfilled instantly, but they were still true. So I looked at my children and I said, listen, if you go into debt, you're going to regret it. You're gonna thank me later for not letting you do this. If you, I know that you're in love with her and I know that you know, the girl that you met as a sophomore in high school is definitely the one you're gonna marry. Like, I'm telling you, if you wait for the right person, you're gonna thank me. You do not wanna marry the wrong person. You're gonna thank me later. If you work at this education, you're gonna thank me later. If you go and wash and wax my truck right now, just do it, because I told you to, right? But there's all kind of, where you would look and say, I'm gonna make you a promise right now. When you're in a phase of life, that promise you don't see the return on. The lack of instant return on that promise, ready, listening? The lack of instant return on that promise, ready, does not make that promise a lie. It means you simply haven't experienced 
the fulfillment of it yet. And Jesus is looking and saying, guys, that's the bulk of the Christian life. You're gonna be persecuted. People are gonna lie about you. By virtue of the fact that you're trying to be a peacemaker, that's just the way it works. And I did not abandon you. The presence of pain is not the absence of blessing. It's normal. People persecuting you is not because you've done something. Now, if you're a jerk, it's on you. But if you're, if you're just following me, you're blessed. This has always happened to the people who truly follow God. I have not left you. My timing is just different than your timing. The disruptive truth is God's promises play out in God's time frame. And an eternal reward is so much greater than an earthly one. We're gonna, we're gonna swap out instant gratification for heavenly reward? Jesus is like, don't do that. There's a great reward that awaits. It awaited all those folks. And none of you have been sold in half. And I'm telling you, that following me, you'll be, you're blessed, you're happy. Be so excited about it. It won't feel good at the moment. I didn't, never promised you that it would. That's all false teaching. But I'm telling you that to walk with me by faith, to share the hope for the reason that's within you, to endure the trials that you're gonna face, the payoff from your loving father is gonna be greater than you could ever ask or imagine. Four disruptions, four, four defaults, four disruptive truths, one preparation. One point of preparation. I just wanna talk about this for a minute. Ready? Here it is. Within the next generation, we must prepare, practice, and learn to endure persecution. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you are raising children and you want them to follow Jesus, within the next generation, we must prepare, practice, and learn to endure persecution. Ready? Everybody, dial in. Ready? I don't want to hear about politics. It's got nothing to do with politics. I give a rip who's in the Oval Office. I serve a higher king and I'm a citizen of a different nation. Jesus is saying, long before the United States of America was established, Jesus is saying, this is the way this works. And all over the world today, people are being jailed, beaten, mocked, in North America, we're just not used to it. There's nothing strange happening. We're just not used to it. I don't want to hear about politics. Politics aside, it is very clear and obvious that our culture is moving further and further away from the heart of God and it will not go back. And in our culture at this time is the church of Jesus Christ. And what do we do in response to that persecution? 
We buy dry goods and ammo. Nope. We retreat within ourselves. Don't let yuck it. Nope. What do we do? We love our neighbor as ourself and we work at peace. We help people know the incredible love and mercy and grace of an amazing God and their deep, deep need for him. And when we do that, In a culture that is way more hostile than we're ever used to, if you're my age, you're not used to it. Now, if you're in high school or college or junior high, you're actually way more used to it than I am. We work at peace. And what did Jesus just say? When you do that, you're gonna be persecuted. You should be excited about it. When you do that, They're going to lie about you, and they're going to mock you, and they're going to say all kinds of things. That's going to show up on Instagram. That's going to be on Twitter. You should be glad, very glad. Why? Because you are sharing in the sufferings of Jesus Christ, and you're walking in the path of the true believers of old. Guys, listen. Ready? Got me? If your relationship with Jesus is based on the idea that he blesses you, only prospers you, and removes all pain from your life, in the next generation, your relationship with God is gonna be blown up. And the Bible says that when persecution comes, many fall away. Why do they fall away? Because they can't understand why God didn't make me happy, and if God didn't make me happy, then why am I interacting with God? And as we endure persecution and we go through pain, we run to each other and love each other. But there is no promise in the scripture at all that a true follower of Jesus will be devoid of pain. In fact, the promise is the opposite. We must prepare and practice. Practice being a peacemaker. Start telling people about Jesus. Four defaults, four disruptions, one point of preparation, ready? One pastoral worry. This is the kind of stuff that I lay awake at night and worry about with you. That's why you should buy me more sushi, right? Here's my worry, ready? I worry that we don't actually believe in heaven. I worry we don't actually believe in heaven. We think heaven is just the opposite of hell or it's the happy place that we go when we die. That's the depth of our belief about heaven. Jesus says heaven is the motivation to endure persecution. Be glad. Be very glad. Why? Because there is a great reward and our lack of belief in that reward is why we make short term decisions now that's why we believe that our money is better spent on a new boat as opposed to building the kingdom that's why I would rather sleep with that person than pursue Christ like this in my relationship 
because at least I can do that. That's why if I'm in pain, I want out of pain. If I'm in pain, it, God must abandon me, so I, I got to re, reconstruct my view of God because there's no way that a loving God would let me do this, and besides, it's not worth it. And we actually, I think, struggle to believe and trust in the reward that there is nothing more valuable on earth than the value that we build in heaven by following Christ on earth. That light and momentary struggles, which is the sold in half, jeered at, beaten struggles, light and momentary struggles give way to the reward that God wants to give us. And it's our lack of belief in that and trust in that and faith in that that causes us to look and say, you know what, I'd just rather have, just, just make this go away. I'd just rather have this happen. Where Jesus is looking and saying, if, if, if we don't have that motivation, then of course persecution doesn't make sense. Of course we're gonna, we're gonna bail out the first time our friends make fun of us. Of course I'm gonna walk away the first time my job's on the line because I won't sacrifice my integrity. It would be illogical if there was no reward. But the great reward he promises. And he would look at us and say, if you're my follower, you wanna be like me. And I endured a lot of persecution, a lot of mocking, a lot of sneering, a lot of lies. I endured almost everything that the saints in Hebrews chapter 11 endured, and I did it in joy, out of love, knowing that my reward was you. So if you want to be like me, that's what I'm like. And there's a payoff. Pain is never pointless. There's a payoff. But that great reward has to motivate us, see, to stand in the position of being the peacemaker in the first place, right? So I told you it's a little weird. Happy, happy, blessed, blessed, very, very happy. You're gonna be persecuted. Like, it really cuts against our grain, but when you start thinking about it, it makes sense. And it's one of the deep, deep disruptions that Jesus brings to those who love and follow him, right? Okay, band's gonna come out. As they settle in, would you pray with me? Jesus, love you. This, this stuff's hard, Lord. It, it's, it's amazing how you, you give us so much help on earth. You point us, you give us perspective, you even correct us and, Show us how to do it right. And God, it's such a temptation to turn that into me just living a better life. But the depth of what you call us to, the depth of what you want. So Jesus, for those who are your followers even now, if we have our defaults off, would you lovingly, gently, mercifully correct us? Encourage us, give us strength. God, for the one who doesn't know you, who's listening to this and finding out that this is a big part of what it is to know you and follow you, but they're still drawn to it, 
It's like, it's a terrible sales pitch, but it feels like something that they should have or they actually want. If that's you, what's happening in your life right now is God is calling you, he's speaking to you. That's what it feels like. It's not, it's not weird, it's just spiritual. That's what that feels like. And the Bible says that's God's mercy and grace and love. It's calling you to a greater life. So Jesus, would you through your spirit right now in that person's heart be real? Grant them faith. Draw them with your kindness, God. And all of us, Lord, give us the passion to pursue and to proclaim you. Work on us even now in your name.